Hey, Shug. Yeah. You know what the best thing is about recording episode 10 of the Virtual Voice Podcast? No. We have Victor Lucas on the show. Yeah, we do. You know what the second best thing is? There's a second best thing? Yeah. We're announcing our giveaway for a Quest 2 headset. Holy fuck. All right, ladies and gentlemen, if you can see from the window below me or if you're listening on the podcast, um, the guy underneath me is Victor Lucas. He is the host of Electric Playground, um, the longest running gaming and media television show in the history of all of television. And he's <laughs> since moved on to YouTube where he continues his awesome and great work full of informative videos, reviews, uh, behind the scenes stuff, everything. Um, Victor Lucas, how are you doing, man? I'm doing great. And Ryan, you are one of our biggest supporters, man. You are always there when I do live shows and, and uh, whenever I stream, especially when I stream VR stuff. So thank you. You're wearing one of our sweatshirts right now. I'm really, really grateful for your support, brother. <laughs> I'm really glad to have you here. I'm glad that support's finally paid off. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, <laughs> I love your content. I'm a super fan. I mean, you're the first person. You're the only person I had in mind to have as our first guest on this podcast. So if you just well, said I'm no, honored. I would have just cried, I think. <laughs> No, I'm honored. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, I mean, I'll jump in here too, Vic. Um, absolutely uh, fantastic to have you on here. I was saying to Ryan, I'm like, I'm like, how do I, how do I talk about how influential Vic has been in my video gaming history without making him sound old? Um, because you, you, well, I'm not young. Well, the but truth is out there. The yes, truth is there. None of us. But, are. Yeah. But, but you also look like you've barely aged a day since I watched you um, on Electric Playground. So the for those of you who don't know, uh, yeah, Electric Playground it was very much a Canadian thing, though, wasn't it? Well, it was, I'm Canadian. It was yes. based out of Vancouver. Mm -hmm. um, and but uh, you know, funnily enough, we had our, our our first broadcasters that signed on for the show were American. And we were going to, con to uh, television conventions back in the mid '90s, talking about the concept of the show. And after we had uh, picked up some, uh, you, you know, we started to syndicate the show when, in yeah. our very early days, pre-cable. Um, and so we had some U.S. stations, and we talked to some Canadian broadcasters and said, "We've already sold it into uh, to the Washington Bellingham. Washington was our first station at KVOS, um, which also airs into Vancouver." But we got a couple others in L.A. and in, in uh, Portland. And we told the Canadian broadcasters at Chum and the Craig Networks that uh, Americans were already getting on this. You should, too. And they went, Americans are buying. Of course, we'll buy this. Of course, this sounds great. And so that was it was sort of the catalyst. So we, we did launch as a TV show across Canada. We self-syndicated across Canada and then down the west coast of the U.S. all the way into L.A. It was a weird way to launch, but we had a, you know, we, we were in some pretty big markets. Yeah, I mean, um, I don't I don't remember video game television before Electric Playground. I don't even know if there was. Probably not. Where where, where are you based? I'm in Edmonton. I'm 20 minutes from Ryan. Yeah. We, oh, okay. we, we met online through our virtual groups and, and it was like, what? You're the same age as me. What school did you go to? Where do you live? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, no, definitely a Canadian thing. And I mean, every Saturday, every Saturday afternoon, the electric playground was, it was a staple in the afternoon. And, um, well, video guys... games had been on TV, but they hadn't really, um, done a regular 
you know, program that went behind the scenes to talk to the people that were making them. And that was the whole pitch that that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to make something that uh, it honored the creativity that was out there and really yeah. got a deep dive into how this stuff was made. And mostly that came out of my curiosity. And as a, a massive fan of the medium, I was like, I want to know more. I'm sure there's other people out there that want to know more. And uh, and there was. More, more than that, I, I think that you and I think that you and Tommy legitimized uh, video gaming. I mean, you were definitely doing it throughout all those years where, you know, prior to, say, like the PlayStation, where it was like not really cool to play video games, especially as you got older. And uh, and like, you know, and in my in my teens, it was like kind of like electric playgrounds on TV. Like this is like a real deal, mom and dad. Like, look, yeah, yeah. you know, so so that was a thing. Um <laughs> I mean, uh, it's never been a more real deal than it is currently, by the way. And yeah. it's a it's a crying shame that that, uh, you know, mainstream media, whatever the hell that means now, just media companies don't understand how to how to deal with this. You know, mm -hmm. everybody's trying to figure out the esports angle right now because esports is a, you know, very hot in the stock market and there's some. Yeah. Um, some great big sort of monetization deals happening around esports, but in terms of content and and uh, you know an audience out there that's hungry to know more about this business, it's never been larger, and it's being served by billions <laughs> of channels. But uh, you know the idea that people can't just turn on a program on a regular yeah. basis and just be fed a pipeline right into the the, the sort of the creative nooks and crannies of the industry. Um, is tragic, you know, and hopefully that's what starts to happen when we have G4 coming back and Venn yes. looks like they're about to start spending some money on some things. I'd like to see Twitch and YouTube, um, you know, pick some horses and, mm -hmm. and actually get serious about this. They all, they both make so much money from games, but it's really a mess out there in terms of trying to figure out where to get, I mean, you, you can get your information, but you have to kind of click around and find a whole bunch of different voices and stay with them for a while. And, and it's just a bunch of individuals, you know, that's why it's exciting to see you two teaming up and pairing up because I think that's the secret now is if you want to be in media, ally yourself with other people at the ground level and just be friends and just keep going and chugging and try to do everything you can to maintain that friendship first. Yeah. Um, be, because that collaborative spirit is what's really missing out there. Yeah, no, I get that. I feel, yeah, you can feel a little bit um, competitive for clicks. Who can get it out first? Who can, who can get, who can just get that footage out first? Which right. is something that I guess you guys didn't have to deal with back in the day. It wasn't as immediate. I mean, I always, I always looked at Electric Playground as being like the, the, the TV version of like um, EGM, like the magazines. Yeah, like that, it, totally. it scratched yep. the same itch for me, except I got yep. to see the game. And I mean, and I guess that kind of leads me into, um, my that's how i pitched it yeah I, that's how i, I yeah. yeah i went to broadcasters and i said well here are 17 magazines that people can buy every month and there isn't one tv show that does any of this there was video in arcade top 10 in canada and i oh I always, wow i slapped <laughs> I that show around that all forever the... <laughs> yes well that was i was in my 20s when that was on and i that it was cool because as a fan of games to see games on tv but it was a punishing half hour of tv that that felt really like an infomercial and and yeah it was meant for kids, but it felt like it was just selling kids 
uh, the commercialization around video games as opposed to the creativity around games. Yeah, I remember feeling very Nintendo heavy too. Oh yeah, totally. It, yeah, it was it was sponsored by them, and, well, and there you, go. you know everybody knew it was there was a cynicism about the whole enterprise that it was like it was almost like a crappy kids game. You know, doesn't that just break your heart when you guys see a game that you may have a nephew or a niece or or a younger person yeah. in your life playing and it's just garbage? When you think back to when we were kids and the games that we played were the best games being made yeah. as children. And it feels like that's the way developers should always think when they're building games for children. They should be the best games they can possibly make. I mean, it's a good and point. And same with programming. I guess that's a good point as your industry has like kind of varied demographic wise. And those yeah. kids grew up, they, they, you know, sometimes maybe the young kids get lost. Um, you know, like watching that Nintendo Direct we were watching, you're, uh, your cast of that in the uh, the um, the super girls DC kind of thing like that yep. that looks like that looks like it's going to be some good content for especially I hope for so. young gamer girls right well the the tragic thing around that is if it, it isn't you know like my kid and I played the Paw Patrol game when she was four and it was terrible and she knew it yeah. you know and I thought okay listen. Shigeru Miyamoto and the teams around that, the you know, Yuji Naka's Sonic the Hedgehog team, the the teams that would have been accessible video game entertainment for a kid at four 20 years ago or 25 years ago, they would be playing the cream of the crop. They would be playing the best software. And somewhere along the lines, I didn't really want to get dogmatic about this, but somewhere (laughs) along the lines, the, you know, the kids software has just become so maligned, you know, and I, I don't think you need to marginalize these audiences. You need to give them the best stuff to encourage them to be invested in the future of this medium. Yeah. If you don't think like that, you are chopping off your your long tail, you know? Yeah. And it's the same with media, you know? It's the same thing. Like if you are not exposing people from an editorial vantage point about the beauty and the power of the creativity in this medium, then you are killing the future investment from a potential game maker thinking that this is the job that they should. If all of the work that that goes into journalism around games is about how hard it is and how the big companies are all screwing the little guys. And then we got a million YouTube channels just going F this company and screw these guys. Everybody, everybody sucks. It's all sucks. They're all, you know, trying to rip you off. Then who wants to make games? Everybody just wants to be a streamer by themselves. How is that good for, you know, our collective passion for the future of this medium? Yeah. Why, why did Stadia, why did Google get out of the games making business? Because it's expensive, right? It's expensive because there aren't enough people that want to make games. It's expensive because we're not growing the talent pool fast enough. Mm-hmm. And we're not inspiring the talent pool to want to go off and make games because we keep talking about how crappy companies are and how you know everybody's trying to rip everybody off and and we're creating stupid clubhouses about how you can access this piece of content and this piece of content instead of like celebrating that this medium is more powerful than any other medium we've ever invented as a human race you know it's you know that all three of us know this everybody listening and watching this knows that most people don't because most people don't play and most people don't care and that's where this business uh, it drives me crazy. It's like it's, there's this this rampant apathy about how to get more people involved. You know, and it starts with kids games, right? I mean, yeah. We're all here because of <laughs> yeah. what Nintendo did for us when we were children. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And why is that not happening now? 
because that's not where the money's at. Yeah, that's exactly it, man. It's not Call of Duty or Assassin's Creed. Then, and not to say those aren't they're bad games or nothing like that, but it's definitely it's it's an adult. I mean, even watching once again, watch your Connect today, and or and we're watching the um the uh, all the Switch Nintendo um stuff, and just how many people are just like another kids game. Oh, another you know, another, you know people in chat were just like, oh, like you know, this isn't where's 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 the next like you know adult game. People in chat were complaining that there was there was it felt like a like a press conference for children, and. Like, mm. Why is that a bad thing? First of all, I mean, you know, like there's tons of games out there. There's tons of adult content out there, and I get you know people want the you know the next Metroid or the next you know Zelda, which I mean some of the stuff was touched on, some of it wasn't. But yeah, there definitely is still that that gaming is for adults when that's not the case. And like I said we were all gaming. I've been gaming since I was five years old, playing Mario on my Nintendo, sitting cross-legged right. on my floor till my legs fell asleep and I couldn't even move. I mean, those were those were my childhood memories of playing games, and yeah. You know, watching my daughter kind of go through the same thing, and you know, she's watching her you know, spoiled on the Switch and everything else, and having having the the accessibility to games. Um, man, I it's great. I I found like one cartridge, or I go to the video store and get like one game. That was like my game for like the month. I had to play the heck out of that thing yeah. until I was sick yeah. of it because there just was no other options. Whereas now, everything is a click away, and it's amazing. It's awesome. Um. My train of thought just went sideways there, but uh... I can also, but but I also do find I do find that like things have become a little more um, disposable, like a little more transient. That's probably the better description. In that you know, digital games just and the in the amount of content coming at you. That yeah. I mean, definitely there's games that you know that stand the test of time, but there are so much and good stuff that sometimes doesn't get seen. And you know, and I and I just like segueing into into the vr side of things a little bit i i think that that's one of the things that attracted ryan and i when we first put on a headset and like and to continue to continue to try to offer um content in such a niche still niche industry is right. that i feel i feel like some of that some of that i don't know innocence but that 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 like excitement and innovation that is seems to be missing from some of the some of the big triple a games these days mm. we found in vr like there was a focus on simple fun, yeah. For different re- yeah. for different reasons. Sometimes because of just budget. But I, I mean, obviously, me and Chris are kind of the exception as far as VR users go because I I went full born to VR. I've played a handful of non VR games since then, excluding stuff on the Switch with my kid or the Wii U. Um, right. But in looking back into like what why exactly that Switch happened. It was, I think at the time, without realizing it, it was gaming apathy. I was kind of just sick of, I was sick of the next Assassin's Creed. I was sick of the next Call of Duty. I said that twice now. But there was this feeling of repetition from the big games in the industry. And VR, I mean, to say what you want about VR, VR is still very much an indie scene. And we're starting to see that break a little bit as far as, um, you know, Medal of Honor just kind of came in with, you know, I'm not the biggest splash in the world. Hitman 3 just dropped their entire franchise or the, 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 the trilogy in VR playable. So we're seeing these bigger, these bigger companies take that leap but for the last four years it's basically been an indie scene hidden under the fact hidden under the vr banner and um i guess like like you know we're in 2021 now vic what are your like general thoughts on the vr industry like okay let's just reset this vr 2016 playstation vr oculus you know uh, rift came out what did you think about vr then i guess um as as a industry guy who's kind of keeping his tabs on everything they they were incredible experiences but um and i felt in, you know like i was in at this luxurious position to be able to enjoy this software fully recognizing that most people just wouldn't lift a finger or spend the money 
to also access this content. It's exciting to talk about. It's exciting to talk about the future of the medium and, and uh, uh, the, the, the true creative leaps that are happening in VR. And you can really sense that it is the, the edge of us, you know, in, moving into a, a new way to physicalize our interactive experiences and to try to live them in a way that we've never been able to live them before. And some games definitely have a better handle on that and do it better than others. But we are on the precipice of real global understanding of how to really best utilize the concepts of VR. What holds it back are these pricey headsets, these tethered headset headsets, um, uh, the disparity in the quality of experience between one system and another system, uh, all the, the same console war type mentality that there are exclusive pieces of yeah. content that are tied to this piece of machine and this piece of machine. Especially when you're trying to um, grow an industry. It's like, it's yeah, like that competition is like, you don't win if we don't all win at this point. Like, when you have yeah. an you know when you have an accumulated like headset count of less than 10 million um yes. I'm just saying it's probably at just under 10 now with Quest and PlayStation and PC but it's like let's not celebrate the fact that you had an ex exclusive that sold a million copies like yeah and you know it's really disconcerting that that PlayStation just said eh, we're going to take a wait and see approach here you know like that's not about building on the promise that they made with the first machine with the first riff uh, vr headset it was really like we think this is the future of entertainment we want to be where the future is that you know playstation is a global leader and blah 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 and then eh, it didn't sell enough so we're not going to go forward with it instead of taking all the lessons and the learning and the competition yeah. um and saying nope this is it we're we're absolutely going forward and investing with this i think that was a real popping of the balloon and the lead and I mean, they've they really, they really, they really yeah. given, I feel like they've really given up some ground to Oculus. Um, well, on the Quest 2, I think it's such a, um, uh, it's such a no brainer machine. It's just an excellent piece of kit. You know, the, the biggest attraction is you have to have a, a Facebook account in order to utilize the software, but it's an excellent piece of hardware. And it's something that you can put on any, on any person and they can jump in and they will understand why people do get excited about this now is it the best vr immersion no um part partially due to the lack of uh horsepower in the thing and partially due to the kind of split focus on uh on the library and and the fact that if you really want the most out of it you do have to tether and you know there's concessions that have to be made but it's definitely in terms of hardware i think the 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 you know the the piece of the machine that points to the rosiest future for VR as a business and as a as a a concept that can be grown into a marketplace. I think it's going to take even something more comfortable mm -hmm. with higher fidelity, and it's going to take big brands. I've been saying this forever. You know, like you cannot compete with Marvel and Star Wars. You cannot compete with them. 
in terms of time and in terms of market share. You know, the world stops when a new episode of WandaVision comes out. Even people that don't give a crap about this character, these characters or the Marvel period, it's an event. And it's, you know, Marvel's been making these events and Star Wars has been making these events and they're not the only ones. There's other ones out there too. But if you don't go and get those properties and those licenses to become a part of your offering, then what are you doing this for? You know, you can't yep. compete with those billions of eyes that are diverted in that direction. You need them to be a part of your, your you know, and honestly with the Quest 2, Star Wars Squadrons should have been half funded by Oculus. They should have said, we want this on this platform immediately. How do we make that happen? Yep. They should have had a, uh, a Star Wars helmet design oh, version of the Oculus. <laughs> So How that cool people would, that would have go, just put it. Yeah, it would have been incredible. And it's like a no brainer. And, the, you know, the like it does work on the Quest 2. You have to you have to, you know, tether and, and work it through um, Steam VR in order to run it on, or the you can get it on the Epic Game Store. Does that go through Steam VR as well? I think it does. Yeah, I think so, too. Which is so God, like, honestly, all of these stupid stores to separate where you can play this content on a headset i mean that's just well if you went on but... with your quest 2 and tethered you'd have to use your oculus app to tether your your quest 2 then go to the epic store if that's where you bought it launch it from the epic store which would then pull up steam vr <laughs> right yeah it's, right uh, it's yeah i mean silly. i was having trouble at when i first wanted to play it on the quest um it just wasn't, it was, it, it was, there was some kind of thing getting in the way and I had the headset on and there's nothing more frustrating. And I know you guys go through this than having a VR headset on and stuff is not working and you're it's heavy this. and it's yeah. getting hot and you're lifting it up and you're just like, what, the, why am I, what do I have to think about this stuff for? It should yeah. just put it on and work. Right. Which I it felt drives me crazy. Rock, and I felt that the quest was a big jump in that. I mean, totally. Like, I mean, the PlayStation was a little more plug and play too. It was it was easier. I mean, yes. I've gotten only gotten into PC gaming in the last year, and yeah. as amazing as it is, it's very frustrating. Mm -hmm. Why are you dropping frames? What? What? Why? Yes. Yeah. You know, why, <laughs> why is this not Windows, compatible? Why are you updating right now? <laughs> you know. So I have yeah. a, I have a question for you. Um, mm. Well, actually, I actually have two questions. One was going back to an ep last week's episode. Ryan and I were discussing. Uh, kind of. The... Wait, I thought I was number one. What last week's episode? Well, this is the, what's those happening. Those what is this horse shit? Episodes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> episode one. Episode one. Um, okay. <laughs> you know, we were discussing that. Yeah, uh, we were talking about VR and its communication problem. Um, yeah. You know, from like then and now, and mistakes it's making now, like store curation and stuff like that. But what I was curious um, about your thoughts weighing in on this is that. We kind of look at where VR is right now, especially with the Quest 2, as almost like VR kind of like, it's like a soft reboot. We feel that like in 2016, mm. they're like, it's going to be amazing. But then it was cost, space, wires, yeah. yes. expectations, um, you know, lack of software, etc. And it's like, I feel like the Quest 2 um, kind of solves a lot of those issues. And I feel like it's kind of like, okay, let's do this again, but you're still in the same situation of lower powered hardware, even though there's, you know, we the, knowing there's more powerful hardware, but simpler, yep. ex, simpler experiences, reusing a lot of those experiences, almost like the Wii U in the fact that it was like, people didn't really get a fair shake at these. Let's bring them forward and offer them again. 
Yeah. It feels like it's almost like in a quest versus Wii U situation in some ways. This just feels like they're trying again. They're trying all the same moves again, hoping that they're in a better position now. Well, it, you know, what's going to change that is market awareness. You know, it, it's going to take um, the power of uh, of real investment in brands and uh, um, whether that's software related tied to uh, where you can experience something like that. Um, and you can probably point to Pokemon Go as a, a way that, you, you know, probably got people into better phones or better technology. They saw some of that experience and they went, oh my God, I, I need to have a little bit of that. Uh, and there's several, you know, console titles that you can point to. Yeah. And I think something like Star Wars Squadrons or a mode or a version of Star Wars Squadrons would be a huge sale uh, component of Oculus, you know? One thing um, I noticed playing Squadrons which I don't know if I've experienced in any other title in VR was sitting in the lobbies and mentioning that I was on VR and yeah. having like everyone else in the lobby go, Oh, how is that? And yeah. I was like, this is how you promote VR. Yes. You, you know, you just promote by example yes. because they were all like, Oh, what is it like? I'm like, well, I'm sitting in a tie fighter. They're like, Oh, that's so cool. I got to get one. I mean, it's not the game when you don't play it in VR. And I, I, I've gone back and forth and it's kind of a pain in the ass for me to set up everything and play it in VR yeah. on a computer. The way I've got my my basement studio, which I didn't know I was gonna be making my <laughs> studio out of my basement, but it's like, there's so much junk in here uh, that I don't have it set up the way that I, I would like to. Um, so if I want a quick match of Star Wars Squadrons, I play it on TV and it's not the game. It's a third of the game. It's really way feels. better it's in different. VR. It's a different feel. Yeah. Wanna, it's a killer app. I want to come back to what you said about uh, Sony kind of like just letting letting their system die. And yeah. I don't think that's quite the case just yet. I think, um, and this is what I think, I guess, but I think the Oculus Quest um, and Quest 2 kind of I think, caught Sony off guard. Um, by all accounts, Sony is still working on a, a next uh, version of their headset, probably for the PS5. Everyone's it's assumed so. Um, yeah. Unless you know something, I don't. They haven't denied that yet, and um, they've said that then you know they they figured two, it sounded like 2022 was kind of the year for their next headset. We don't know right. if it's PS5 or if it's the standalone thing or whatever they're going to do. It wasn't so much that they're they um, don't have one now, is it was their kind of apathetic statements about that they don't have one now. They let off the gas. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. for like sure that, they did. Yeah. I mean, like you, I, I was watching yeah. some of your stuff from 2016 when the PlayStation first dropped. Uh, just to kind of refresh my mind about how you felt about it back then. And like the first thing you said, like, man, these moves are just the worst. Hopefully they do something yeah. like Oculus and give us new controllers. And as you guys, me and, me and Chris both have started on PSVR as our first headset. I mean, that was the thing. It was like, man, we can't wait till Sony gives us new controllers. And, you know, every year was like, this is the year, this is the year. And then now it's just like, all right, they're not doing it, which is unfortunate because I think that would have definitely... Um, you know, we've, we've heard from so many developers who just said we couldn't get our game to work on those move controllers. I, I mean, it broke my freaking heart with Iron Man VR. That's another killer app. If that was on Oculus, that would sell the Oculus as well, you know? And it would sell a better PlayStation VR if, um, it, you know, it loaded faster and, it, and, and the move controllers didn't... You know, they broke the illusion if you turned, if you pivoted. I don't know if you guys encountered that, oh, but yeah. when I was... Yeah, I was just like, well, I'm not flying around anymore because I put the move beside my body and I completely came crashing 
back to reality. Well, even more than uh, that. And it broke my you... heart because my buddy made that game, you know, somebody that I've known for more than a decade and, and really love and admire and respect. And, and they did an excellent job with that game. And it's, an, it's a superb entree into VR. It's another one of these. You know what great VR feels like to me? It feels like you're at a, a, an excellent theme park attraction. Like yep. you've walked in, you've stepped in, and you're, you're, you're having an expensive experience. And everything drops away, and you're having something that just feels premium, you know? And games like uh, Star Wars Squadrons and Iron Man VR and... Um, Oh, I'm blanking on the 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 you know the rhythm shooting game that I love that I pistol whip, I, yeah, pistol whip. I mean, those feel like they feel like rides almost more than video games. You know, they feel like ready for Disney kind of thing. You know, and I, I feel like the um the 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 clutter and the junk and the baggage that gets in the way for those experiences is what's holding everything back. And if the rumors are true about Apple working on an AR VR headset thing, three thousand um, dollars, Vic, three thousand dollars is what they're well. I'll tell you what they'll they'll figure out how to make these things feel expensive, but they're cumbersome, and that if Apple which is one of those mega brands that can convert and get people to, to buy things they don't need. <laughs> um, the, if they figure out that cumbersome part, you know, that if they remove the, a lot of those barriers, even if the software doesn't feel, ev you know, revolutionary, maybe evolutionary, uh, they know how to market. They know how to uh, contain an audience feeling like they've got something that just works. That's their whole thing. Um, and they also know how to kind of make people desire that premium, you know. And VR should be premium, but the clunkiness has got to go. And I think Oculus has gotten the closest with the Quest 2, but they didn't follow through with the library i mean that's what we're, we're what are we how many years of quest are we into now three yep yeah and we I don't know. we still don't have like the jaw drop i mean we have some excellent games and some like walking dead saints and sinners is amazing and pistol whips amazing and beat saber is amazing but we don't have that oh my god have you did you get your quest yet you know yeah like people are talking about that with the switch you can say you know, it's just for for kids or it needs an upgrade or or um, they've maxed it out or, you know, it, it's just an Animal Crossing machine, whatever you want. People really want that system and they are very happy when they get that system. Yeah, no, me and Chris just talked about our top, our favorite VR, our PlayStation VR experiences. And we were saying that, you know, for, all, for as much as we both love the Quest and I love my Quest, I, the Quest 2, honestly, going untethered was amazing. But there yeah. are still the quality of experiences you get on the PlayStation VR, Resident Evil 8, you said Squadrons, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, other 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 games exclusive to those bigger headsets. They said the Quest 2 just can't do it yet. And that's where, we're, you know, we're seeing, you said Beat Saber, Pistol Whip, those awesome, you know, Gorn, all these, all these super fun VR games that have been around for, honestly, three or four years. Those are still the flagship titles for the Quest, and which yeah. is very telling of just where we're at. Like I said, they're promoting... 
promoting games. You know, Moss. You you loved Moss when that came out, and that's still that's when yeah, I really when, did. That's when the quests like kind of like we have Moss, and that's awesome. It's yeah, awesome. why isn't why isn't the Lucky's Tale game that that came out with the Rift on Quest? Why why isn't Eve Valkyrie on Quest? If they don't have Star Wars Squadrons, they should have at least Eve Valkyrie. I think you know? it's just a power issue. I think it's just either. I mean, some of these companies too have have stopped. I mean, CCP the teams games, have moved yeah. on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and then that's definitely an issue now too. Is where you release this new headset, but you have the teams have to actually make their games compatible. And like I said, a lot of these teams are smaller dev teams that have just dissolved or have moved on to other things. And I know the Quest is kind of calling some teams back to kind of port their games over. Um, yeah. But for the most part, I mean, it's it, it, it's. I said to Chris earlier too. Like this, this feels like a catch up year. It feels like like VR is kind of catching its breath for the next big push next year. And I've nothing, I've, right. I've no, I'm not sure what's going to happen next year, but for some, you know, if PSVR or PlayStation rather drops their next headset and, you know, potentially Oculus Quest 3 comes out next year, if they're going by their typical timing on this stuff. And who knows? I mean, there's rumors that Xbox still might be doing something with VR, but that's just like in the mists. Um, you know, who knows? But so I'm, I'm kind of banking on, 2022 being the next big push will it take i don't know i mean i'll be there shouting vr you know to the heavens that everyone should play this thing but will it be enough i mean you know facebook says the quest 2 is selling like mad and they can't get these things you know on the shelves before they're gone um, that's great i i agree that's wonderful i don't know if i totally believe facebook telling me that as opposed to like somebody <laughs> else maybe but um <laughs> you know and they're pushing their horizons their social media app they're really i mean facebook has committed so hard to vr i have to applaud them because they're they seem to be the only ones right now that are pushing VR. Like I said, Sony's. That's what it's going to take, man. Like it, we we either need to need it or it's just there and it's just this encumbrance, you know. Like they, if you're going to generate the market demand for it, you have to kind of create a reality where we don't want to live without it, you know. And you you can do that. Um, you can only do that with software. You can only do that with with. Uh, experiences that need to be lived through you know that costs a lot of money and um who else is going to do it but these trillion dollar companies well, it's either going to be facebook or amazon or apple or google or microsoft that that really kind of pushes us forward with this stuff i think i, I think it's remarkable that sony got us i think that was what was so cool about playstation vr is what a, a shock it was that it was as good and the fidelity was as good and the software was as strong, but they're, they're a, you know, a gaming company with pedigree and they knew what they were looking for and they had the partnerships. And that's, what's also kind of missing is the best in class developers working on software like this. Remember how incredible that star Wars uh, X-wing demo was oh in the, God. in the first battlefront <laughs> game it was just mind blowing. Right. Yeah. We need more of that. You know, and I hate to sound like I'm just, you know, ringing the bell for the licensed stuff that's so ubiquitous in our lives, but it's so ubiquitous in our lives. It matters. And yeah. 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 And uh, honestly, like Squadrons, I think, surprised EA how successful it was. They they oh, didn't yeah. really the D- understand they changed the mind demand. They on DLC pretty quick. Um, right. And, and imagine if they went even further with that, yeah. you know, imagine if it, if the, awareness from ea that the quest made the most sense for them to have a version of that piece of software on it if they invested in that if they took the lead on that you know yeah and i mean it's like i think it's a cart and horse thing it has been since since the early days of of vr and it's it's like 
the big companies don't want to invest because the return on investment's not there. But mm-hmm. someone has to really make a move. Like if if Grand Theft Auto Six came out and said, and you can play the whole thing in VR on whatever headset, right? There would be people selling their children to get a headset. Like I mean, one hundred percent. I mean, and that's and that, and that's a that would be a ballsy move. But something like that would change the entire landscape of VR. Now I have a question for you, Vic. This is, I mean, one thing that's really interesting about having you on the show, and I think one of the reasons you were our first choice to have. Um, on a, on a VR podcast was that, I mean, you're in a unique position to being one of probably the only leading voices in game journalism that has been through, has been like back from like the days of like, you know, magazine uh, gaming and through to TV and then, and then to be, you know, uh, a, a name in, in on YouTube as well. Um, and, to, but to be a voice through all of that. Um, yeah. I mean, I mean, you've been around since. I mean, you've been doing this since before there was a there was an uh, an IGN though, and I mean, but doing it at their level of quality. I, I used to review video games in front of a fire. We we called them fire games. I used to review them. That that fire was a three out of ten. No. But it, but it puts you in a position um, where um, I think a lot of people just need to shut up and listen though, because it's very interesting. I mean, um, and my and my question, I guess some of the questions that I wanted to throw at you would be so Sony, I think one of the biggest problems that they're sitting in right now is that they, they have a console and then they have a peripheral. Whereas Mm. Oculus has like arguably a console. That's their, that's what they push. There's no, there's no, um, you know, they're not worried about cannibalizing or, or, you know, or prioritizing their product. And my question to you is, do you think Sony should release the PSVR 2 um, where like it's not a PlayStation VR? It's not yes. we're, we're tethered. Yes. No. You know what I mean? We're tethered's not the thing. Untethered is the it, untethered is the only future. It I mean, is but, the only future. Well, well, my question is specifically though, is that like we keep I think everybody assumes that it's gonna come out and it it would be crazy for them not to do standalone but it tethers to the PlayStation. I see that as being my, I'm wondering what you think about should Sony really separate the IPs so that they can focus on their VR game without the backlash from like the PS5 people going because I feel like they're in this weird place where they don't want to piss well, off a certain group. Th- well, what they can do and what what um, I've got friends that are former video game people that are working in the medical industry right now on VR applications for surgeons. And so what Sony could do is really um, take all of the learnings that they've obviously got in this space and create a consumer facing um, piece of VR tech that also has business applications and some Mm -hmm. profound ones. And uh, I think that would be a very smart thing for them. And they could have a PlayStation branded version of that same piece of tech and, and one that's just a Sony one that, that uh, you know, doctors and real estate folks and, and uh, uh, filmmakers and all kinds of other people would probably opt for. Maybe it's a, it's a more premium version of the same thing. But tetherless is the only way. And I'll tell you why that is. Uh, well, actually, I'll ask you guys this. Do you have friends and do or and do you believe that we will have VR that is as feather light as those cool glasses that you have on your face right now, Chris? Eventually, I think that's where I think that's where it's headed. 
Well, everybody thinks that. Yeah. So until we get to that. Yeah. Expectations. VR is for the nerds. No, I, right. I, I, I that ha that have disposable that. income that want to do the bell ringing to get people to give a crap about this. Yeah. So it's either going to be software that makes it um, completely like a no brainer for everybody to go, oh, my God, I have to try this now. I have to experience this now. And I think some of these location based things that have been sprouting up where you can play Ghostbusters and Star Wars and stuff. That's an excellent te test model for software that everybody's going to want to line up for and have that. And the quest, you know, it, it, further enhanced could give us something similar to that at home. You know, we can already feel that we're in that direction. So it's either going to be this software that drives us to the medium yeah. and it should be, you know, around properties and stories and, and characters. I think that there is already built in familiarity with yeah. otherwise you're carving up the potential audience again and again and again and again. You're having to kind of educate people on this universe that you've crafted inside of this universe of hardware that you need to buy in order to, you know, well, you're doing Rather twice than, the heavy lifting. Not yeah. only are have you, you played, the have franchise, you want to fly an X-Wing? Yeah. Put this on, right? That's how simple it should be. Want to be Iron Man? Put this on. You know, like, duh. So it's either going to be software that's that heavy and, and that um, uh, magnetic that will draw people to your good, or it will be as slick and clean and easy to put onto your body as an Apple Watch is. And I think we all thought this was stupid when <laughs> Apple said they were getting into it and they blew up the market. And that's where we right? think. I think that's where what you were hinting at before, I think, is that we think. Same with this. Well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> right. Get rid of the wires. Um, Same with this. Yep. I mean, I thought these were ridiculous when I first saw them. I saw somebody flying up from San Francisco um, uh, when I was traveling and, and they were wearing, they must've been from Apple and they were testing them out in the public. And I was like, that, those look ridiculous. You look like you're from, from, uh, you're, you're Star Trek or something. I mean, it's just so, and now they're ubiquitous, Yeah. but before, before that, they just had, they look like we, you know, we're robots. And, uh, so yeah, I think, you know, a hardware manufacturer like Apple, if they want to, right? If it's if it's their intention to have us be um, even more integrated with screens than we already are, because that's what they're talking about. Yeah. You know, like if 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 they market something like that, then it's like not only do we want you to be on your iPhone screen all day and your laptop screen and looking at your watch screen, but now I want you to put your screens right on your eyeballs, okay? And here's why. But they can do that. They can sell that. Um, but it has to be light and clean and efficient, and and uh, it'll be expensive. Um, but it has to feel cool, you know. And I don't right. think any of the hardware that's been made so far around VR is especially that. No. You know, not only do you have to fiddle with it to make it kind of work for you, um, and fiddle with your house and all the other things, but it's also kind of clunky, you know. Yep. No, I agree. And I think that's where Apple's head. I mean, the, the, the early reports have been that they, it's, it fits so tight to the face that you can't wear glasses. You have to get prescription lenses to go onto the headset. I think they're really trying to get it light. Um, my concern with Apple getting in, and we talked about this um, 
Ryan and I as well, is that they're not a game company. They've no. never done gaming well, um, especially not like when you go back to like, you know, just the Mac days. Uh, and so my concern around that is I don't see them going after the gaming industry per se. Like, where do they get a store from? You can't just, they can't just, it's going to require games to be ported. Um, and or unless they dump they, the money. They make in. more from games than anybody on earth. Well, they're, uh, yeah. They, but they make, they make so much money from games. They felt guilty and created Apple Arcade. <laughs> they didn't need to do that, you know, and it's probably one of their worst performing services that they have, but yeah. they make so much money from games and they have, they work with so many developers around the world that make them so many billions of dollars and they don't have to do a damn thing. That's what this whole Fortnite uh, lawsuit is all about is like, they are, they are in a way are kind of like the YouTube of, of games, right? Like they just, everybody that wants to reach people in this mobile space has to make an iOS game yeah. and they don't need to be arbiters or, or curators or any of it. They, they, they do out of some kind of sense of um, goodwill. Uh, but they've just been sitting back raking in billions of dollars. And so Apple Arcade, I think, is their first kind of um, like investment back into the space in a tangible way in a long time. But if Apple makes a marketplace, if they if they bring something to the market, they will come They They are going to bring a business. Yeah. They're going to build a business where there was none or where the the rumblings have been for a while. And it won't be it won't be a big clunky headset that does it. You know, I just like, yeah. it just won't be, you know, people are going to want to pick up something off with two fingers and just put it on and it work because we can all concept, we can all think of that. And Steve jobs would say that he would say, no, make it smaller, make it more comfortable. Don't, you know, like, why did, why is it out of focus? Like yeah. make the resolution better. He would just be uncompromising with that. No, but he thinks counts. of, I said, Bell accounts, that's exactly what happened. They were supposed to release a headset last year that was apparently yeah. scrapped because they just felt it was too big, too bulky. And apparently they invested billions to do it. And it was like, nope, this isn't good enough for the Apple brand. And they just scrapped it. So, yeah. and went back to the yeah. the drawing board. So I think that you're, you're making all those points exactly. So I also think, yeah. and you know, I think this, Ryan, is that I think Oculus, I mean, you already said this, I think Oculus really disrupted the market. Um, I think they rushed the Quest 2. I don't think the Quest 2 is supposed to come out that soon. This is my conspiracy theory. I believe that Oculus pushed it through um, as fast as they could when we all saw that we were like living in our homes in 2020. And I think they saw business opportunities. And if they could get us a lighter, more comfortable, high-res display. And I mean, they even launched it with their, when they blew open the Oculus 2, you know, they, they had that big showcase. They pushed a lot of business applications with their virtual office and such. I think that, like what just to tie in with what you said, Ryan, is I think that Sony didn't expect, I think, that change to come that quick. I think they thought they had more time. Yeah. Um, and I think that an Apple might very well have looked at it going, well, this is just the quest too, like that we're going to put out. We got to be better. Yeah. Because I wouldn't be surprised if that's really like, I mean, I can't see them. It would make sense that that was kind of where they were headed anyway. Just imagine, guys. A hardware company that knows how to make hardware making a VR headset. Yeah. Just imagine that. Because Oculus didn't know. 
They kludged a bunch of technology together. Facebook doesn't know how to make hardware. You know, HTC makes some decent stuff, but they're, they're, they're not world renowned. Not the, the world doesn't covet the HTC brand of <laughs> hardware. No, that's what we we we, we talked about before. Where just the branding behind VR, like I said, the, the HP Lenovo. There's a thousand, a thousand. There's like five or six brands of of mixed reality headset, the Microsoft branded headset. That to me, yeah. it just caused so much market confusion. One, because they called it mixed totally. reality, and two, because Sony they, came closest. I think Sony came closest. I mean, they, they they built something very cool and very comfortable and very easy to tell people this is worth the investment, and it wasn't that expensive. At the, but yeah, it was tethered. At the price point at that time, so yeah, what? but it was tethered. Bucks? Yeah, yeah, it was tethered. But you know, it's um, funny you talk about how Oculus. You're like, uh, like with Apple. Imagine if a hot, a hardware manufacturer decided to really get into this. What could they do? That's very yeah. similar to what we used to say. Like, well, Sony getting into VR. They're a game company. They know how to make games. They've got the right. connections. They have the studios. And when they've leveraged that, it's been amazing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean that's that that's kind of the magic bullet here is nobody's been able to offer all of it at once, you know. Like yeah. Oculus for them to retain their positioning, they should be microsofting right now on buying studios and prepping for the long haul and tying up VR titles, but then also opening it up, you know, but also because again, it, the, the medium won't get forward unless you're a behemoth where you go, I don't care about anybody else. People are going to come for this, like Nintendo or Apple. They're going to come for this. But if you're on the outside and you're, you're um, I think, trying to grow the whole space, and I think that's the projection from Oculus too, is that the as a company, they are... Um, they're kind of like the uh, the champions of the idea of VR. Then, even if they invested in stuff, they should also allow that stuff to be playable wherever any other AR or VR headset exists. You know, um, still re- making money back on the sale of that content, but to create these invisible barriers where people cannot, without having to jailbreak or figure out the the solutions to access these libraries is lunacy and that's also another you know thing that's holding back the medium in a big way too but do you think there's a conflict of interest there i mean i'm not i'm not one to jump on this whole i have to have a facebook account i'm not buying a quest i think that's ridiculous but i do ask the question like is there a conflict of interest with facebook like do they care about being like a gaming headset or is their eye more on the social aspects and the business aspects business can't be social without games true true and i think and maybe that's maybe that is part of the puzzle but i'm just curious of whether like you know you talk about like wanting to open up that ecosystem to be you know to connect people more but like do they are they too are they too focused on wanting their own ecosystem yeah, that's. I think that's a major problem that's rampant in the games industry, and I think we're we're uh, honestly we are on the precipice of um, a, a, te- a tectonic shift mm-hmm. here, where everybody is just saying, you know, why have we been creating these barriers for this entertainment? Why have we not allowed our stuff over there? 
and suddenly people are going to be doing we're waiting for that master chief and smash announcement we're waiting for <laughs> halo on playstation we're waiting for cats and dogs living together you know well, it's not a crazy all thing cross-platform games right i couldn't yeah. believe it when i was like what i get to play call of duty against like my buddy on the xbox and in pc yes you know and it does the the fact that we've had these stupid console wars this whole time think about how many millions of people didn't get into it at all because they didn't want to make the wrong bet they didn't want to yeah. buy the sega and then their friends had nintendo or their you know they i always think about the I mean, that's what i created my shows around right like i think about parents walking into a gamestop or eb games and going yeah i don't know star wars you know <laughs> like yeah. like we don't make it easy for people, you know, like we, we all love this business, but we, we say, got, you got to join this group. And then you have stupid ass gamers out there that kind of beat their chest and said, you're not, you say, you're not a real gamer or you should know this. And, uh, you know, have all of their own goddamn clubhouse rules about what's cool and what's not cool. And it's so imbecilic, you know, it's like the analogy would be, you know, people loving movie studios so much that they would get up in somebody's face because they they dared to love another movie studio's movie, or they played their Blu-ray on on uh, a Technique's Blu-ray player, or you know, like yeah. a, a, a Philips Blu-ray player instead of a Panasonic. Like it's so stupid. It's the content that we want. Stop making it impossible to get to that to that contact the only people that can honestly i think that honestly can are nintendo and apple and that's it yeah you know everybody else we're gonna have to share Wait, and and apple and nintendo people are going to be coming for them because the, the minute yeah. we have halo on playstation people are going to be going well why can't we have mario on playstation and why can't <laughs> i you know and the, like that's what's going to start to change you know and honestly Maybe. nintendo always dance to their own beat nintendo will be the last <laughs> and apple will be the last you know they're gonna hang on they're gonna use all the lawyering and all the stuff that they can uh but it's really just like the movie business imagine if you had a cd you buy you, nobody has physical media anywhere but you had a you bought a cd and your seed your brand of cd player doesn't is not compatible with that cd it's a, a good example. I like that. We're an ebook, and it's like, no, you can't read this ebook on. Yeah, well, actually, know. that is a thing. I got a wife in the library. That, so and that is a thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not on Kindle. Oh, well, okay. Um, yeah. I guess I'll get the hard copy. But you're right, though. I mean, every time we've seen a conflict of of uh, of platforms, whether it have been like you know beta and VHS, and now I'm dating myself, um, or yeah. Blu-ray, um, like H. Eight, like blu-ray and then hd dvd someone's always won and then just moved forward for the better of the industry mm -hmm. yet that's not the case although like what do you think about microsoft like it looks like microsoft is less concerned with being a console manufacturer they're going to be the ones that are the progressives they're the yeah. ones that are doing i think the exact right thing i mean they're, they're looking at netflix as the model netflix you guys know this right netflix when they were about to launch they had hardware at yeah. the 11th hour reed hastings said nope Nope, kill it. Uh, we want to be partners with everybody. Yep. And now they're worth as much as Disney. Yeah. You know? And think about all the shit that Disney owns. Physical shit. And years and years and years of stuff. And the studios. 
and Netflix is worth as much as them. That's why because they spread out everywhere. And Microsoft is absolutely thinking along those lines. Their services business is making them so much like as they've shifted over to this live 365 kind of model and everybody's renting word and, you know, all these corporations having licenses that are the software is constantly being updated. Same thing with Adobe. You're, you're just making so much money. I, I was just reading this today, actually. Jim Ryan was talking about the, the fact that PlayStation doesn't see the model of putting their first run software into a subscription space like Xbox yeah. is doing right now because it costs hundreds of millions of dollars to make these games. Well, guess what? Microsoft has 18 million subscribers to Game Pass right now. If they get to 100 million subscribers, which is not out of, you know, it could happen. We're, we're at over 100 now for D Disney Plus and Netflix. And, and the more content you, you pour into these things, the more ubiquitous this stuff comes. So let's say, you know, Net Game Pass is, is 50 million and they, they've got uh, 10, 10 bucks a month from subscribers. That 100 or $200 million budget on a game doesn't seem so out of the question, right? I'm surprised you know? to hear you say that, to be honest with, with you. I mean, I... I but your stance is very realistic, but I'm actually surprised to hear you say that because a pet peeve of mine has always been this, 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 we're moving this into this idea where people expect everything for nothing. Like the music industry is just trash because no one thinks they should spend money on music. And then Netflix, I, when I hear someone bitch about the fact that Netflix is up their monthly subscription by a dollar, I'm like, you're getting like everything <laughs> for $9 a month. It's like I'm I'm afraid that it devalues like this art, whether it be games or movies or music. It's like you get everything for your little for your like ten dollars. I understand that it makes sense maybe from a business standpoint, but I'm worried about the perception that it gives people. Like I should just have all these games. We have known this future was coming forever. This is this is a very uh you, you know, predictable sort of end result for humanity and computer <laughs> technology. We knew we were going to digitize everything and we were going to have instantaneous access to everything. And it's, it won't just be the subscription holders that are making all that revenue. It will be all of the content creators that contribute to these subscriptions. Right now we're in you know, the infancy stages with a lot of these corporations and a lot of people are getting screwed. Yes. Yep. Yep. We are also inundated with entertainment choice and there is already a rampant disposability to information yep. and entertainment um, and, and an immediacy to like wanting to replenish instantaneously and an addictive kind of quality. We, we need to reconcile with all of that. We can't all be on screens all the time consuming every single thing that exists out there. And we will, as a species, we will. But it's going to be messy and complicated. Um, but I think that we're like cats with toys right now, and we just need to be around it all the time. Same with social media. Same with the consumption of information. You know, it's like we've been, we've got child minds again, and we want all of this information all the time, and we want to because that's the only currency that we have now. Yeah. Our, our shit doesn't matter. Our collections don't matter. Who cares if you like, you know, what your playlist is? That doesn't, 
that doesn't correlate with someone showing off their awesome record collection 25 years ago. That used to matter, but now it does not matter because we have access to everything. No one yep. cares if you're a cinephile and you've got this awesome collection of film. Yeah, Chris. We all have I an know, awesome I collection know. of film. I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah, and, and nobody cares about the collection of games that you have too, right? You should see Slowly. my sick comics right. though. I still have a sick comic book collection, Vic. <laughs> I mean, once the DC Comics no, app is here and you have 50,000 comics that you can have access to. That was And the honestly, that's, that's, that's it. We're moving into this kind of... The thing that I'm worried about, though, is that, um, you know, obviously we're kind of... We're, we're living in this parallel reality, our online life and our, and our real life, and we're inching closer and closer to merging with computers. In fact, that's what Gabe... Uh, um, Newell. Uh, Gabe Newell is wanting to work on with his headset and his, uh, his, you know, computer controlled VR sort of new device that is freaking the hell out of me. And uh, Elon Musk wants to do surgery on people and put oh, computer yeah. chips into brains. That's what happening. happens to not, not just the robots taking over, but us <laughs> being interconnected species, even more than we are now. Like there's already, I think, and, and there's probably data tracking services around the world that can already um, define how homogenous a group of people are based on their consumptive habits and stuff. Um, and, and so they're treating the, 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 this group of people just like data points or drones, you know, like they're, and they're manipulating them as well, like the more insidious groups out there. But what happens when we just open the floodgates and the internet is in here? Not something that we actually have to, like, I'm talking Borg reality, right? See, what I happens to art? And what happens to individualism and knowledge? The, what happens when knowledge is a common? It's all what happens when we there. all know the same shit. Yeah. We're what what happens? There. Like having right. movie what? knowledge, having movie or music knowledge is less of a thing now because it's like, oh, actually, Wikipedia said 2003 that. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's very much like the Cylons or the Bork, right? Like if everybody is interconnected and we all know the same stuff, what happens then? Yeah, and Ryan, seem... <laughs> I have no answer. I, I, I always default back. I, mean, I, I, I have an answer. The answer is there'll be kickback. I mean, it's how you know when humanity gets like that. Assuming we don't all become the Borg, then logic suggests not logic, but there's just that kickback. I mean, equal little the movie Equilibrium when they banned all emotion and you know all art was destroyed and everything else, and there was this kickback and this rise and this into like becoming human again. And I think that's what happened. I always look at the Star Trek universe as like the pinnacle of humanity. So we have to get there. I'm not sure how we're going to get there just yet, but to mm. me, Star Trek Next Generation, I guess specifically, that's like humanity at its pretty much the best. Everyone gets along. Races don't matter. Religion really isn't too much of an issue as far as like- Money's like, gone. Money's gone. That is my, it's, it's how do we get there? So if we have to like get chips in our brains to realize we don't want chips in our brains, that's probably going to happen. But unfortunately, mm. it'll be too late, though. Well, when that I, happens, I'm not going to chip my brain, Vic. I'll be part <laughs> of the rebellion. Um, I mean, who knows? These are questions for the chipped are going to take over. <laughs> this, this, oh, this, this is this heavy. Podcast went so where nowhere near where I wanted to go. I'm going to bring it back. Do you know well, what? Do you know well, what? Tell you what, there? though. I'm reading Ready Player Two. Are you guys reading Ready Player Two? I or have you read, read it? it twice. No. Yeah, I mean, it's dystopian as hell. But isn't Gabe Newell making the the uh, I uh, well, the Oni headset oh, yeah. right now? Yep. yep. Yeah. Yep. He's making it. He probably read that book and was like, "That's a good idea." 
why do we want that resistance is futile vic <laughs> right uh, well you know on that note i think we're coming up on our hour but you know what will be in the 24th century uh i'm pretty sure still electric mm. playground oh dude hey, some it. form or other we're gonna stitch vic together put him in a, <laughs> put his head in a jar and put him on a body and i'll be chipped going to be 2024 <laughs> and this is your rundown guys <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's awesome thanks um, for having me on you guys yeah vic it's been uh it's absolute pleasure i mean this is uh this is exactly the conversation i i no, think we I, both hoped I, we, I we would have yeah i mean it's an honor to just pick your brain um yeah and i'm trying really hard not to have a fanboy moment so fant <laughs> it's fantastic to have you here seriously um yeah, yeah. I, I can't say enough about about what you've given to the industry um it's just it's been fantastic to watch uh, you guys you are grow. very sweet and when i saw that you i lost touch with electric playground for a while there obviously and when i mm. saw it back on on youtube i was like oh my gosh and i clicked on it, i was like the production quality is even better than the tv show what's going on here <laughs> we we uh we took a lot of the lessons that we learned and we just slowly been trying to apply it to our youtube content and uh uh, rolling with the times you know it's yeah. uh youtube is kind of like the world's biggest computer or cable network and uh um you know i still feel like there's a there's a a need for put together curated commentary around this and also access right like access to the people that that uh endeavor to check i say chase windmills you know like they're crazy creatives that don't know if the stuff that they're building is actually going to register or keep them in business but they try and it's in the act of trying that i find great inspiration and joy you know and, and um a kinship a kinship as well i totally recognize the uh the effort and the optimism it takes to go out there and chase a dream and uh i love that that's my job is to talk yeah. to people that that do that well and i love that you have um you know moved you know you've you've grown with the industry onto youtube but you've never adopted that like you mentioned it that toxic i mean i mean it obviously makes your growth slower because you're not willing to put a video out there that's like this game sucks and this is why like you it's, know or or just just the, that clickbaity negativity yeah. gotta watch it it breaks my heart honestly when I see that a negative, like the Stadia piece that I, I put out a video and I, I have a personal connection to Stadia, many, because I know people that work there and it really pissed me off that Google made that decision. I don't care what the reasons are. It pissed me off because they should have finished a game. They should have at least tried. They should have shown what these people had been working hard to build. Um, but that got up more views and I could see that people just are so, and honestly, they're hungry I, for I, it. I, they're hungry for it. And this is the time to be kind of negative and to be kind of like everybody's thinking this is this dystopian nightmare is coming to get all of us. And I feel like this is also accelerating. Everybody's kind of like, oh, shit, we're all screwed. Might as well watch this now. It's the end of the world every day, you know, but I don't feel that. And I never have in my life. And especially about this beautiful work that I get to talk about. These are things that make the world better. You know, they well, make life really worth living. And we're the all people men that... children, you know, like, and like, yeah. and women children. And I love your slogan because that's, I think that's, we're playing games. Like, why that's are right. we so angry? <laughs> that's right, man. That's right. Let's celebrate it. Yeah. 
Well, let's leave it on a high note then. Thanks again, cool. Vic. Again, it's kind of our second closing. We're turning into the Lord of the Rings here. Um, <laughs> yeah. Again, everybody, if you haven't uh, you haven't watched uh, Vic uh, over at Electronic Playground. Net electric. Electric. Yeah, electric. I'm just, sorry, I, man. Ryan, man, I was watching you do. I was just watching. He's gonna say it. He's gonna say it. I'm taking over, Chris. I'm taking over, guys. EPN TV. No, this is Victor Lucas, the Electric Playground, EP Daily, AP Daily. Oh TV. yeah. Oh, that's just me stuttering. Um, you can't not find this guy. He puts out amazing content. Um, it's really positive. It's a wonderful look at gaming industry, movies, TV, even toys, everything. I'm telling you guys, Victor Lucas is the man. And if you can like consuming this kind of content, follow him. He's he's worth the follow. Trust me, I've been subbing him for years. You guys well, are amazing. We've Thank been you subbing so much. since 1995. Hey. <laughs> you just didn't know it. Anyways, oh, thanks man, again, awesome. Vic. Pleasure. Thank you guys. Awesome. Hey, where are you guys going? Don't you want to win a quest too? Of course you do. And I know some of you greedy bastards just clicked on this video and went right to the end to win a quest too. Well, shame on you guys. You should have watched the interview with Vic because it's absolutely awesome. But regardless, this is for subscribers only. So if you haven't subscribed already, make sure you do that and then hit that bell icon so you don't miss any future updates. Whether you're watching this video on YouTube or listening to it on a podcast service, you need to go to the video for episode 10. And in the notes there, you will find the details for the Gleam giveaway of the Quest 2. The giveaway runs from February 21st to March 7th, at which point the winner will be announced at the front end of episode 12. So make sure you keep an eye out for that one and of course guys if you really want to support the channel you know the deal hit the like button subscribe leave comments and of course come back to watch future videos or the past ones they're here as well and for those of you who really want to support us and show us your love we've also set up a patreon account in which we are going to be giving you guys a bunch of perks and bonus content to make it worth your while so please check that out if you want more of myself and ryan in your lives anyways guys that's it for us we will catch you on episode 11. Thank you.